Good evening. It is good to be here with you guys. I'll focus this way this evening. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I hope that you've had a, a restful time this Lord's Day and uh, are ready and just ready to receive the word of the Lord tonight and to consider more of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, before we open up God's word, let's, let's go to him and let's pray this evening. Father God, Lord, we uh, bow before you. And Lord, we, we need your touch this evening. God, as we open up your word and go to the 8th chapter of, of the revelation of Jesus Christ, we, we need you to communicate to our hearts the message of those first five verses. Lord, I pray that that message will, Lord, uh, enlarge our anticipation of the return of our Lord, of the restoration of all things soon, God. I pray that, uh, Lord, you would just help us to see what you would have us to see. Lord, I pray that you will help me, uh, God, to just teach your word tonight. God, equip us for your glory and for our good, Lord. Father, it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. Well, take your Bible tonight and open it to the 8th chapter of the book of the Revelation. And I want to just read the first five verses of Revelation chapter number 8. Beginning in verse 1. When the Lamb... Open the seventh seal. Oh my. <laughs> when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This is God's holy word. Now the last time that we were together in the book of Revelation, which seems like eons ago, uh, we were at chapter number 7. And chapter 7, if you'll remember, 
took us out of the flow of the unfolding wrath of God that began to fall onto this planet with the breaking of the sixth seal that we saw in Revelation chapter 6. And it was necessary to, to uh, break the chronological flow because the question that was posed at the end of chapter 6 had to be answered. Uh, with all of this wrath falling upon the planet, the question came at the end of chapter 6, who can endure the great day of the wrath of God and the Lamb? And that's why we had chapter 7 dealing with the sealing of the 144,000. And so it is the Christian that is sealed and secured by the blood of the Lamb that need not fear the wrath of God. It is those that are believers in Christ during that time when this wrath is falling, that are under the protection of God. Now, when we were together, that was not easy listening material. Matter of fact, I presented you with some truths that are uh, historically uh, teachings of the church that uh, perhaps it was presented in a way you hadn't heard, and I would like, I haven't got it together yet, I'm, I think I'm going to make available to you my sermon notes. What I, what I sit down, when I sit down, after I've been praying and I've been studying, I, the way I do, I sit down, I just begin to type as if I'm talking. So it's not really written to, to be read, but I'm going to provide it to you just so you can have before you some of the things that I was saying and you can chew on them. And it can help you as you go back in the scriptures and do as I often tell you to do. Be like a Berean searching the scriptures to see what they say, whether it confirms or denies the things that I have said. Now, tonight, we're getting back into the flow of the wrath of God. And we're entering into chapter 8 of the book of Revelation. And we're moving from seal 6 to seal 7. Now, if you remember, when the sixth seal was broken... Okay, that inaugurated the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord, a phrase that you find in Scripture, you find it in the Old Testament Scriptures, you find it, it's not referring to a 24-hour period day. The day of the Lord is a season. It's a, it's a period of, of several years. It's a span of time. I'm not going to get into dogmatic specifics of it right now, but it's a span of time. And the sixth seal inaugurated that. This, this final period of judgment that's coming on the earth. It's a time when, in the day of the Lord, where God will ultimately destroy man's dominion and Satan's rule. The day of the Lord is God's great purification of all that exists. This planet, the universe, the solar system, the galaxy, everything. All imperfection, all sin, all evil will be eradicated ultimately. Amen. That will be a glorious thing. This great and terrible day, the day of the Lord... It's a time period full of fury and wrath in which God at some unknown point at time in the middle of the great tribulation, uh, the sixth seal is broken and then later on at some unknown time in the last half of the great tribulation, the Lamb will break this last and final seal, the seventh seal. 
And wow. Oh my. Um, I say wow because nothing in planetary history, nothing in planetary history can trump what is about to unfold. Now, yes, the world has seen some pretty serious selective judgments. The flood, for example, the great flood wiping out all of humanity except for Noah and his family. That was pretty serious judgment. Sodom and Gomorrah, that was a pretty serious selective judgment. And yes, with the breaking of the sixth seal that we saw, has not yet come, but we saw in the scripture, we had the light thrown on what goes on with that, when that, when that seal is broken. The world has undergone some terror, some cosmic calamities that the world up until the sixth seal had been broken had not known. But when the seventh seal breaks, the wrath and fury of the Lord will rise like a tsunami and it will be wrath upon wrath upon wrath falling upon those who dwell on the earth like we have never seen. You cannot, words cannot encapsulate the gravity of the wrath of God. And the only one who can stand in that moment are those who belong to the Lord, for they are not appointed unto wrath. Remember, they're sealed, they're protected. But those who do not bear the seal of God's Spirit, it will be horrific. It will be beyond our imagination to comprehend the greatness and the severity of the wrath of God during that time. Now, um, the wrath that's going to unfold when the seventh seal is broken, it's not like an instantaneous thing. It's, a, it's, it's a, not an instantaneous occurrence. And over the next several weeks, you'll discover that it will be, it, it's wave after wave after wave of wrath and it will strike the earth over a a period of time a time frame and you say how long again i i am not going to be dogmatic with times and calendars and dates but i will say this it's going to take some time for the unfolding of the seventh seal and the events to come. There are seven trumpets that are going to be blown during this time, time frame. And there are seven bowls of wrath that are going to be poured out. And I know that the effects of the trumpets will take some time. And they will last for months, some of them. And the next trumpet will not be blown to, to bring its wrath upon the planet until the last trumpet has run its course. So it's going to take some time. It's not just going to be a zap kind of thing. It's going to unfold over a period. So there's much involved with the seventh seal. And tonight we're just simply settling in verse, the first five verses of, of Revelation 8. And there are four, just out of those five verses, there are four significant revelations this text offers us about things that will unfold when the seventh seal is broken. I'll go ahead and give them to you. Number one, there will be silence in heaven. Number two... There will be supplications of the saints. Number three, 
There will be seven trumpets to be blown. And number four, there's a storm that will brew and a shaking to be felt. Now we'll walk through these. Number one, there will be silence in heaven. Verse one tells us that when the Lamb opens the seventh seal, there will be silence in heaven for about 30 minutes. Why is that? That's weird. That may sound weird. Silence in heaven. Because you've got to understand, heaven, according to what we can see in Revelation prior to this, has been a pretty noisy place. There's great worship that is taking place. There's great praise and adoration uh, being given before God and before the Lamb. But then when the seventh seal is broken, you can hear a pin drop. Silence. Absolute. Total. Complete. Silence. Why is that? Why is that? Well, the events that are going to unfold when this seal is opened, they are so magnanimous that all of the host of heaven, all of the multitude of the saints, even the four cherubim who for eternity past have been crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They will all be spellbound and they will all be silent and it will be a silence of awe and, and, and one of anticipation because when the seventh seal is broken, it is just a matter of time before Christ returns and His glory is unveiled, uninhibited, and all of the evil of this world will begin to be put in check. And it will be amazing. And so there is an awe of anticipation, an awe of what is going to unfold, what is going to happen. As Christ is about to be ultimately exalted, His people would be in exaltation and the kingdom of darkness would reap its final devastation. All heaven is hushed at the realization of the magnitude of what is beginning to take place. Oh my. Oh my. That, 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 that's wow. The gravity of these events elicit this silence. Cannot imagine it. I know that the prophet Zechariah called all flesh to be silent in light of the judgment of God. Zechariah 2.13, he says, Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for He has roused Himself from His holy dwelling. Can you imagine it? I imagine that in that moment, the judge of all creation stands from his throne and takes his gavel and strikes. Whoa. 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 What that shall be like. You see, the atheist and the agnostic 
had mistaken the silence of God for the absence of God. But when He rises to execute judgment on the earth, all creation will be stunned in a holy hush, and all of heaven will be in a holy hush of awe and anticipation, and they will all know that the end has come. Every, everyone will know. It's, it's about to be over. It's about to be done. Hallelujah. It is about to be done. Wow. What it will be like. Number two. There, there's silence in heaven. And then number two. There are seven trumpets. The text tells us will be blown. Verse two tells us that there are seven angels. Who stand before the throne of God. Who stand before him. And seven trumpets will be given to them. Now these seem to be special angels. Because the text gives the definite article saying. The angels. Who stand before God. These must be a special group. A unique group of angels. Um, who stand before God. That seems to imply. that this, The language seems to imply that. But really it doesn't matter. Whether they are or not. Whatever the case may be. It is to these angels who stand before the throne of God. That are given these seven trumpets. Now trumpets are significant. Trumpets are used for various reasons in Scripture. Multiple reasons in Scripture. In the Old Testament, it was trumpets that were used to declare war. It were tr trumpets that were used and blown to assemble the people. Um, to announce celebrations. To introduce royalty, etc., etc. But here in the book of, of Revelation, I would suggest to you that the trumpets are used for all of these things. But most importantly, here they're announcing judgment. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Each of these angels will blow their trumpets one at a time, announcing a specific judgment to fall on the earth. And following the execution of a specific judgment, once it has run its course, the next angel will blow its trumpet. That judgment will run its course, then the next angel will blow its trumpet. Now we're going to look at... Over the next several weeks, we'll look at in more detail these judgments that are going to call, come. But let me just give you a brief synopsis. Yeah, can't talk. A brief synopsis. I have in my hand a little sheet of paper. I put it out in the vestibule. It's it's the title of it is the opening of the of the scroll with the seven seals. And at the very bottom, I get to seal seven. I talk about some things there. I titled it Silence in Heaven, Severe Judgments in the Second Coming. But on the back of that sheet, I break it down. So just let me give you a synopsis of these things. Uh, first of all, the seven trumpets. We, we will find them in, in Revelation 8, 6 through 13, Revelation 9, 1 through 21, Revelation 11, verses 15 and 19. Trumpet 1, hell and fire mixed with blood rains down. A third of the earth is burned up. Trumpet 2, a blazing mountain falls into the sea. One third of the sea life dies. 
Trumpet three, a blazing star falls from the sky. One third of the drinking water turns bitter like wormwood. Trumpet four, the sun, the moon, the stars are struck and day becomes its night. Trumpet five, previously detained demonic forces are released on the earth to torment unbelievers. Trumpet uh, six, angels that were bound at the Euphrates River are freed to kill a third of unbelieving mankind. Trumpet seven, the time of the seven bowls of wrath has come. So trumpet seven is the pouring out of these seven bowls of wrath. And then we have the seven bowls of wrath in Revelation 15 and 16. Uh, bowl one, painful sores. Bowl two, water turns to blood. Bowl three, more water turns to blood. Bowl uh, four, intense heat. Bowl five, darkness consumes darkness. Bowl six, the Euphrates River dries up, which is preparatory for the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, and then bowl seven, God's temporal judgments on unbelievers are finalized. And oh my goodness, as we look at those in detail... It's, it's like, um, it's worse than, than a Stephen King novel. The horror that will be faced by those that are not sealed by the Holy Spirit. That are not covered by the blood of the Lamb. And what is so horrible is that those unbelievers, will you will find out, they will just absolutely refuse to repent of any of, of, of their sin. The scripture talks about it. He talks about that later on over in, in, at the end of chapter 8. But So there will be silence in heaven when this seal is broken. There will be seven trumpets that will be blown. And then number three, there will be supplication from the saints. So, of course, supplication is prayer. Now, verses 3 and 4 of Revelation 8 tell us that there was another angel. Now, this is an eighth angel. This is not one of the seven angels. This angel has a different function. This angel has a different purpose. And the Bible tells us here in Revelation 8, in these verses here, it tells us that this angel came and offered up the prayers of the saints mixed with incense to purify them. Making, I like this, he's making imperfect prayers a sweet aroma before the perfect living God. Now this is what's being described here. Now, I'm not going to get into the technicalities of all the Old Testament imagery here um, in, in this scene, I, you know, I, I just don't think that's important at this point. But what I do want you to note is that the prayers offered up here, these are, are specific prayers that are being offered up here. These are the prayers, are the prayers that were being prayed in Revelation 6 and verse 10. You remember what was being prayed in Revelation verse 6? Revelation chapter 6, verse 10, it was this. O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge the earth and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Well, what God is doing with the breaking of the seventh seal is God is now beginning to answer this prayer by those persecuted believers. By those persecuted believers, those believers that had undergone all kinds of atrocities at the hand of an antichrist and a false prophet. 
They are praying for the judgment of God to come, and they're praying for their blood to be avenged. Now, that may seem cold, but at this point, in this time, at this frame of time, eschatologically, this is a right prayer. Okay, that they were praying. And so here, the Lord's begun to answer this. I actually began to answer with the breaking of the sixth seal and the seventh seal. But this is going to be, what's happening now is the final fruition of the great and terrible wrath of the Lord. The world will now know that the Lord takes out vengeance for his persecuted people. And the, and the lost world will know that it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. It will be horrific. Now, I, I would throw out a question to you just to get your mind to think about prayer for a moment. But is God doing this because the saints prayed for it? Or, is, or are the saints praying for it because God said he will do it? You want to know what the answer is? Yes and yes. <laughs> Yes and yes. That's how prayer works. God has declared that he will do this. And our prayers we pray are based on the promises of God. So we're petitioning God on the basis of what God has promised to do. So they're crying out for God to do this. And God has said that he was going to do it. And they work symbiotically together. That Prayer's a mystery. Okay? It's another one of those mysteries. But nevertheless, God is, is now beginning to answer this prayer for their blood to be avenged, for Him to rise in judgment and set things right on the planet. The fourth thing that I want you to see in these five verses is that there's going to be a storm brewing and a shaking to be felt. Verse 5 tells us, look at verse 5 in Revelation 8. It tells us that the angel, this angel with the, with the prayers, this angel, this eighth angel, he took the censer, he filled it with fire from the altar where the prayers of the saints had been laid, and then he cast it on the earth, causing a storm and a great earthquake. Wow. Now the seventh seal is broken with much to come, but the, but, the, but the breaking of this seal, the opening of this seal is announced with a global storm and a mighty earthquake. There will be perhaps a great comet that streaks across the sky and it strikes the planet and the result will be thunderings and, and rumblings and, 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 and lightning and flashes all across the world. Um, there will be flashes of light. There will be a shaking that is triggered by this impact and it will be a shaking that will probably be easily uh, brought about because the tectonic plates of this planet are already in, in shock from the great cosmic calamity that we had when the sixth seal was broken that we already saw and we, we looked at. Well, I don't believe that this cosmic calamity announcing the seventh seal 
will be as great as the one announcing the sixth seal because this is just a prelude to judgments to come that will be far worse than anything the world has ever seen. Now, leaving out of the flow of that text a minute, there is a principle about prayer that I would remind you of, saint. You may seem insignificant. You may feel that your prayers are weak. But I want you to let, just, just let this sink in for just a moment. I want you to, to, to just imagine this. Here is an example of how the prayers of the saints can shake the world. You realize that? The prayers of the saints can shake the world. Prayer is a powerful thing. Prayers cause shakings. When the early church prayed in the book of Acts, the place in Acts chapter 4, the place in which they were get, had gathered was shaken. Now guys, I'm speaking in figurative terms right now, but prayers shake up things, okay? And if we would but get a glimpse of how prayer shakes in the heavenlies, I think we would, our prayer lives would be a little more different. Our prayer services of the house of prayer uh, during the midweek service would be better attended if people understood the power of the saints gathering and praying. Oh my, here we see, we have a picture of how here you've got the persecuted early church praying to the Lord to avenge their blood and execute His judgment. And my goodness, it ends up shaking the planet. Wow. That's amazing to me when you think about that. Wow. Well, I would wrap up this section of Scripture with simply saying this. The seventh seal will be broken one day. There is a tsunami of wrath coming. And even though we're few in number tonight, I would still ask the question, are you ready? Are you ready for that day? Are you ready for what is coming? Guys, don't wait. You can't, don't wait until the seventh seal is broken to get ready. Chances are, if you do, you will not. I say chances because you would be tempted to think that with the tribulational saints preaching the gospel that you'd have an opportunity to, to get saved. Well... I don't see masses and masses coming to Christ. Because I read over and over in the book of Revelation that they refuse to repent. For example, in, in, uh, at the end of, of chapter 9, verse 20, it says, The rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues, 
They did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see, hear, or walk. Nor did they repent of their murderers or of their sorceries or of their sexual immorality or of their thefts. They did not. They would not. So don't think you, 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 you put it off. And don't, don't, don't even let people, when you share the gospel, think that it can be put off. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Most during that time frame will be so hard-hearted. They will be so hard-hearted that even though they recognize Jesus is real... And they recognize the wrath of the Lamb has come. We saw in, in Revelation 6, they'll cry out to rocks to fall on them and cover them rather than to call out to the rock of Jesus Christ to cover them. And that will be a horrific time. I mean, why is it? Well, just read John chapter 3, verses 16, all the way down through verse 20. Because in the midst of that famous passage where we've been hanging out on Sunday mornings, we see that men refuse to come to the light because they love the darkness. And they refuse to come to the light out of fear that their deeds would be exposed. Their hearts are just hard. Well, listen. I don't want anyone's heart to get too hard. That they are not sensitive to their need of Jesus Christ. If there is any concern in your heart today. If there is any remorse over sin in your life today. Call on the name of the Lord while he may be found. For tomorrow it may be too late. Let's pray together. Father God, we rejoice in